48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Former Chief Secretary John Lee will submit his candidacy for the chief executive election tomorrow. COVID cases rise by just a few dozen as officials insist the three-day self-testing exercise was worth the effort. And a medical blunder results in a primary school student being jabbed with an empty vaccination syringe. Former Chief Secretary John Lee says he will submit his nominations for the chief executive election tomorrow. He says he has the backing of over 700 members of the 1,500-strong election committee. It is time that I let people know the clear indication of standing for the election. So it is appropriate for me to actually register to stand for the election. I will continue to appeal for people's support. So I will be approaching the election committee members again for their support in the eventual voting. And I will also try to get as many opinions and ideas from them so that I will be able to do my election platform as soon as possible. Earlier, Mr Lee said pursuing long-shelved Article 23 legislation is a priority, but the anti-subversion bill won't be his only focus. Speaking after a meeting with Chinese business leaders, Mr Lee said it's important to ensure a stable and secure environment for Hong Kong. National security, of course, is one area, but there are other areas such as risk management, contingency plan, ensuring that our financial system is able to face challenges and risks. And I think that is for the good of Hong Kong because any aspect that will be attacked and not managed or dealt with well will, of course, have a knock-on effect on other areas. Health officials have reported 1,433 new COVID infections, about two dozen cases more than yesterday. 13 of the infections were imported. Despite the slight rise, Dr Chuang Shuk Kwan from the Centre for Health Protection says she believes the voluntary testing exercise last weekend helped stop the spread of the virus. Over the three days, about 3,100 infections were reported by people who did self-tests. Before the program, we have been recording a downward trend of number of cases reported through both the PCR as well as the RAT platform. And we have successfully detected these cases through the program. Another 59 patients infected with COVID have died. The health department is investigating a report of a primary school student being given an empty syringe instead of the COVID vaccine. Sean Kennedy has more. Health officials said a student nurse who administered the shot was from an outreach team sent by the Newtown Integrated Medical Centre to Tin Choi Wai Government Primary School. Preliminary findings showed that she injected the syringe before realising that no vaccine had been withdrawn from the vial. It's not clear when the incident happened, but the school reportedly arranged two vaccination sessions on campus in March and April. Health officials said Newtown Integrated Medical Centre followed the matter up and reported no abnormality. Health officials have asked it to submit a report. The same centre was embroiled in another COVID vaccine blunder in January when it gave dozens of people doses that were past their use-by date. LegCo's Finance Committee has approved $43 billion for the government's new round of employment support subsidies. The relaunched scheme aims to help employers pay their staff amid the fifth wave of COVID. From May to July, each company stands to receive up to $8,000 per month for each eligible worker, although some industries that were not hard hit by COVID will receive less. Earlier, officials also removed a salary cap for workers to be subsidised. The government plans to accept applications later in April. 
The government says it will change three hotels originally reserved as community isolation centres into quarantine facilities to accommodate incoming travellers. The Royal Pacific Hotel, the Kowloon Hotel and Cordis will start taking people returning from overseas and foreign domestic helpers from Thursday. Officials also say from the 1st of May, four other hotels designated for foreign domestic helpers will also accept bookings by residents returning from overseas. With the additional hotels, authorities estimate a total of 14,000 rooms will be available for the mandatory quarantine of incoming passengers. To the weather forecast, becoming cloudy with a minimum temperature tomorrow morning of about 23 degrees and visibility will be quite low in some areas. Hot later on with sunny intervals and a few showers. A top temperature of about 29 degrees and winds will be light. The outlook mainly fine and hot during the day on Thursday and on Friday. Currently the observatory 24 degrees Celsius, humidity 86%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. The time is 5 minutes past 11. The city of Guangzhou has reported 13 new COVID cases. Health officials in the city say the new infections were linked to previous cases, but they warned that transmissions might have been taking place for some time before the new cases were discovered, and the next few days will be critical to contain the outbreak. Local authorities have been conducting mass testing to screen out patients, primary and secondary schools have been suspended, and residents have been barred from travelling out of town. Earlier, Shanghai reported over 23,000 new local infections with all but 1,000 asymptomatic. That's down from more than 26,000 local infections a day earlier. The fall comes as some residents are being allowed out of their homes for the first time in more than two weeks. The financial hub has been under lockdown since March the 27th and under other COVID restrictions for over two months, but still accounts for most of the mainland's daily COVID tally. The national COVID figures showed a fall in asymptomatic cases by around 3,000 to 23,295. Local symptomatic infections rose slightly to 1,251 from 1,164 the day before. Back here, 57% of the accounting or finance professionals working for small and medium-sized firms polled in a survey say they expect business revenue to grow or stay largely the same in the next three months. That's according to CPA Australia, which polled about 300 of its members between March the 18th and 23rd to assess their business outlook. 41% of the respondents say they believe business will shrink over the next three months and 2% expect shutdowns. Jansen Chan from the Australian-based group said he expects business to grow when social distancing measures are eased. I really do think that the uh, relief measure provided by the government is uh, really uh, uh, a great help, uh, especially to the SME under this pandemic. And once this social distancing relaxes further, um, this will open up the business opportunity to a lot of the SME. Turning overseas, Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the Finance Minister Rishi Sunak are both to receive police fines for breaching COVID lockdown rules over parties at government buildings. Police have been investigating 12 gatherings, at least three of which were attended by Mr Johnson. The BBC's David Wallace-Lockhart is following developments. Really, that is huge news that the Prime Minister and the Chancellor have both uh, been fined. We heard from Sir Keir Stammer, the Labour leader, this afternoon. He was saying there was widespread criminality going on in Downing Street and other government buildings. This was before it had been revealed that Boris Johnson himself and his right-hand man, the Chancellor, had been fined. So certainly the optics here that, that the Met Police are saying 
Boris Johnson and the Chancellor broke the COVID rules that they themselves were asking the entire country to follow. The leader of the main opposition Labour Party, Keir Starmer, has repeated his call for Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak to both resign. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has described Lithuania as the first foreign country to show real leadership in response to Russia's offensive. In a speech to the Lithuanian parliament, he praised it for giving up Russian energy and arming Ukraine. But Mr Zelensky said the European Union as a whole was still too hesitant in sanctioning Moscow. Even after those mass killings in Bucha and other places, mass deportation of people, even watching the planned destroyal of Ukrainian cities with the Russian missiles, some of the European countries can't decide whether they will limit the purchase of Russian energy. Hundreds of European companies still continue doing business with Russia. Ukraine says it's checking unverified information that Russia has used chemical weapons in its siege of Mariupol. The deputy defence minister said initial data suggested phosphorus munitions might have been deployed, which are not necessarily prohibited by international convention. Earlier, Ukraine's Azov regiment said soldiers defending the port had trouble breathing after a Russian drone flew over them. Britain's Armed Forces Minister James Heapy said any deployment of chemical weapons would have serious consequences. If they were used, the Prime Minister, the President of the United States, President of France and other uh, world leaders have all been clear that that crosses a line and that all options are on the table for how we would respond. It's important to have some ambiguity, but all options being on the table is meant as a very clear deterrent to President Putin. Meanwhile, President Putin has praised Russia's military objectives in Ukraine and described the Russian soldiers there as courageous. He was speaking nearly seven weeks after he launched an assault that's led to many civilian deaths and allegations of Russian atrocities. During a rare public appearance, he said the aim was to help the people of Donbass in eastern Ukraine and insisted a successful outcome was inevitable. This will happen, there are no doubts. The goals are perfectly clear. They are noble. I said from the very beginning, back in my first public statement, addressing the country, the armed forces, I directly set the goals. The main goal is to help the people in Donbass, which we have recognised, and we had to do it. Reports from the Philippines say at least 28 people have died in landslides and floods triggered by Tropical Storm Meggy as it hit the eastern and southern coasts of the country. From Manila, here's the BBC's Howard Johnson. The cyclone, known locally as Agaton, made landfall in the Philippines on Sunday, bringing sustained winds of up to 65 kilometers per hour. Pictures posted on social media show towns inundated with mud and people wading chest height through fast-moving water. Meggy is the first storm to hit the Philippines this year, which sees around 20 storms annually. The Leyte region is still recovering from the impact of last December's super typhoon Rai, which devastated thousands of homes and left more than 400 people dead. Sri Lanka, which is facing a severe economic crisis, says it will temporarily suspend foreign debt repayments to avoid a hard default. The BBC's Anbarasan Eti Rajan has more. 
Sri Lanka's foreign exchange reserves dropped below $2 billion at the end of March, and the country is struggling to afford food, fuel and medicines. About $4 billion of foreign debt repayments are due this year. The government is due to start talks with the International Monetary Fund for a loan program next week. Sri Lanka is facing its worst economic crisis since independence from Britain with rolling power cuts and import curbs. The worsening shortage of basic supplies has triggered protests across the country with the demonstrators demanding the resignation of President Gotabaya Rajapaksha. Iran says it's temporarily closing its consular services in neighbouring Afghanistan after attacks on its diplomatic mission in the city of Herat. An official said Iranian consulates would not resume their activities unless full security was guaranteed. With the details, here again is the BBC's Anbarasan Eti Rajan. Iran says it's the responsibility of the Taliban rulers in Afghanistan to protect and safeguard the security of its diplomatic missions. It has suspended all consular services in the country until further notice. Dozens of protesters chanted slogans, burned an Iranian flag and damaged surveillance cameras at the consulate in Herat on Monday after videos emerged showing some Iranian guards and mobs allegedly beating Afghan refugees in Iran. Some protesters threw stones at the Iranian embassy in Kabul. Tehran dismissed the footage as baseless and invalid. A Spanish gun enthusiast who tried to kill the Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez has been sentenced to seven and a half years in jail. Manuel Murillo Sanchez, who's 66, had threatened to commit the assassination after the Prime Minister ordered the exhumation of the remains of the longtime fascist dictator, General Francisco Franco. The BBC's Charles Haviland reports. Using a far-right WhatsApp group, Sanchez, a security guard, had threatened to hunt the Prime Minister down like a deer and put his head on a chimney. He said the Prime Minister's order to move Franco's remains from a mausoleum to a cemetery was a humiliation of the Generalissimo. The legacy of the late fascist leader still divides Spaniards. The exhumation happened in 2019. Weapons were found at Murillo's home. He was in prison for two and a half years for attempted murder and five years for illegal arms possession. New Zealand is today reopening its international borders to vaccinated travellers from Australia after more than two years of COVID isolation. New Zealand has had some of the world's toughest virus control measures which have helped keep infections and fatalities low. And in sports news, Manchester City captain Fernandinho has shocked manager Pep Guardiola by saying he plans to leave the English champions at the end of the season. The 36-year-old former Brazil international, who's won four Premier League titles since joining City from Shakhtar Donetsk in 2013, revealed his intentions at a pre-match press conference ahead of tomorrow's Champions League quarter-final second leg away to Atletico Madrid. Fernandinho, asked if he would like to extend his stay at the Etihad for another year, replied, I don't think so. Guardiola, who was alongside the midfielder, was taken aback by his skipper's announcement. A reminder of our top stories tonight, former Chief Secretary John Lee to submit his candidacy for the chief executive election tomorrow. Covid cases rise by just a few dozen as officials insist the three-day self-testing exercise was worth the effort and a medical blunder results in a primary school student being jabbed with an empty vaccination syringe. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 
lot of people said it sounded a lot like the Beatles' Penny Lane. The guy who wrote it, Roy Wood, who fronted the band The Move back in the day, said it was quite possible because a lot of bands were influenced by the Beatles. They were the best songwriters of the time, Blackberry Way. An interesting uh, story to that, there was Richard Tandy who played harpsichord alongside Trevor Burton on bass and he was put off with what he thought was a dreary nature of the song and actually left the band shortly afterwards. Into our second hour this Tuesday, wherever you are in the world, uh, in the world I should say, you're more than welcome to join in, whether it's morning where you are or afternoon or late afternoon or here in Hong Kong of course where it's just 20 past 11 at night. <laughs> 